Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Hello, and welcome to Season 31, Episode 18 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. My name is Riley. And I'm a Muppet. That's Jason. And in today's episode... I didn't know we could be Muppets. I mean, we're all kind of Muppets. If you believe in yourself. Yes. Thomas from Denmark asks why the GM gets to make all the final calls in TTRPGs. Eric from New Jersey talks about gaming on Discord. And Rose asks about some of our favorite experiences with PC relationships. If you'd like to contribute a question or topic to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. All right, announcements. So now that, knock on wood, the growing pains of the new studio are mostly over, we want to focus on reaching more people and starting to build up that the audience again. So we would love for you to help spread the word. So please tell new people about us. That can be your local gaming store, your online gaming group, your community on Discord, whatever it is, word of mouth, type words. It's still kind of the thing people trust most. Hearing people that they respect and know and trust, or maybe they don't respect you, but they know you, whatever happens. If you can just kind of spread the word about Happy Jacks and what you like about us and where they can find us, that would be great. We'd appreciate it. All right, Indie Designer of the Month. It is now March. I can't believe how fast this is all going by. So our Indie Designer of this month is our friend Mo Poplar, who is Ashy Feet Games. So, and you can find it at ashyfeet.com. The game we're talking about this week is Shibuya Nights, an anime-style RPG that like, lets you play adventures like your favorite shows and movies. It ships with Steampunk, a magical world of Shibuya, where everything works on favors and you raise your reputation level. You gain more influence and power throughout the city as you play. So it's a forged-in-the-dark system. It has detailed high-resolution maps that you get. There's guilds, institutions, and organizations that get your game started. And there are mechanics to custom-build your own vehicles mechs, gadgets, spells, bases, all those things. And you can find it on Indie Press Revolution or th- on DriveThruRPG. Because you had made the Muppet reference earlier, and then you said ashy feet, I definitely had that Kermit. I've got ashy feet. Yeah. I got those ashy feet. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I also like that you, this is your copy, but you still read it like you were cold reading it, which was very fun. It's like, it ships with steampunk. Magical world. Of- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because I copy and paste yeah. it, and then I never look at it again. It's just so cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that was that was that was said with love, not judgment. I yeah, thought it was. I you. love it. it I made me very happy. It's the authentic Happy Jacks experience. Uh, I haven't gotten to play this yet, but I, like anything that has vehicle slash mecha slash ship building, you know, like all that shit. I'm. I, it's just catnip for me. Yeah. If I were a cat, like a cat, how cats feel. You get it. I don't like cats. Sorry. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there goes half our viewership. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not my fault. I'm very allergic to them. So I can't actually get to know cats because mm. they stop breathing. Yeah. I'm allergic to. I think they're cute, though. Yeah. I mean, from far away, they're they're charming. <laughs> but And they know that they can kill me because the first thing they always do is come and rub on me. Like, you're going to die. You're going to die. No, they love you. And they're just trying to show you their love. They don't know. Because I... I'm allergic to dogs, and no one loves me more than a dog. And it's, mm. it's the saddest thing in the world because 
Every time I go to our friends' houses who have dogs, their dog wants to get all of my attention all the time. And I can't pet them. And it doesn't could, understand why you don't want to pet it. Right. And like, I, like, I, ha- I could, once in a while, I'll break down and I'll pet a dog. And then I have to wash my hands vigorously. Yeah. Same, you know? yeah. And I remember, like, this, like, I had a, I had to stay at a friend's house for a few days because I had no power for five days. Mm-hmm. And my friend's dog was, after I left, was like literally sitting by the door watching for me to come back. And like, I'm like, I, but I didn't even get even pet her the whole time I was there. And all my maid is like so sad that I'm gone. But like, she's like, I thought I was gonna break her. You're the, you're the yeah. one that got away. Yeah. <laughs> cats are sweeter than people think they are. And if a cat yeah. is rubbing up against you, that means that cat likes you because cats do not approach you if they don't absolutely yeah. want to. Aww. Valid. Yeah. Well, then cats really like me, and I just I yeah. have to be indifferent. I'm yeah. sorry. They typically have no fucks to give. And yeah. if they're giving a fuck, then yeah. that's notable. Yeah. It's probably because I don't smell like any other cats, and they're oh, like, yeah. hey, you're neutral. You can be mine. Oh, also, I don't think this is true for dogs. Cats have a, a gland in their, like, whiskers section mm-hmm. that is, like, pressing, they're marking you yeah. without peeing on you, yeah, which yeah. is... Thumbs up. Yeah, much better. Preferable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like being peed on. Mm-hmm. I'll just say it. I'm open about that. Yeah. No shame to people who do, but. Yeah. Not for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We should definitely move on. All right. Mailbag number one. Dear Headmistress Kimmy and the faculty of Happy Jacks Game University, <laughs> on my way to getting a Game Master's degree at the University of Game Science. Go I- fighting Uggos. <laughs> Oh, I have a question UG. for you to ponder. It's just UG, you know. Oh, okay. Let me move I that you were... slightly more in front of you. There, sorry. I thought it was. was that means I was. That means I might have been too quiet last night. Oh no. No. All right. When asking members of the after-school gaming club I run about what makes a good RPG player, they had a lot of great perspectives. One of them was about how role-playing games often has a rule saying that the game master has the final word. I could not go so far as say that it actually was so in all RPGs, but it's definitely how I have learned to play the game as well. But why is it so? The game is about shared experiences, shared storytelling. Why should the game master have a dictatorial right about the rules of the game? Sure, it makes sense to have this rule in place during, for example, a combat encounter where there is discussion about the grappling rules. The game master makes a call, the game moves on. But what about situations such as these? One, one player knows the rules better than the game master. The game master makes a wrong call. The player wants to correct it, but the game master has the final call and holds to her ruling. This seems like a a personal argument that's been spending over to email. I'm just going to say that right now. That's fair. Two, that's what emails are for. The game master doesn't like a particular rule. Say the grappling rules seem overly complicated and changes them. The players might not agree or perhaps have taken feats, talents, slash whatever that are now useless due to the changes of rules, especially upsetting for the players of the sumo wrestler in the party. This seems real personal and real specific. (laughs) Three, the players, at least the majority of them, don't like how a particular rule works and have talked about a solution they find fair. The game master doesn't like the change and again has the final word. Mm. Other examples were mentioned, but these three might set the ball rolling. And are completely non-specific. Yeah. Yep. Uh, why do you think Catherine is wrong? Wait, what? No, sorry. Yeah. And why, why is she dumb and ugly? <laughs> yeah. And why won't she date me? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you think about the traditional and often dictated by the rule themselves view of the game master having the final word about the rules of the game? Pros and cons? Dilemmas that you have found yourselves? And advice on how to handle situations as mentioned? Best regards, Spielmaster Thomas from Denmark. Oh, cheers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Correct. Okay. 
Actually, that was good. That actually, my nail, my fingers actually did like a cool crack like it was meant to be. It was impressive. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Usually they don't do that. Yeah. It was really impressive. It was, it was, yeah. it was like it was like you were establishing dominance right yeah. at the beginning of this conversation. Like, I guess Kimmy's now the game master, so any yeah. roles that are set during this conversation <laughs> are great. Yeah. I, think, I think the ultimate, like, I think there are systems that don't do it this way. Yeah. And I do think that this is the kind of thing that should be discussed and agreed upon by everybody at the session zero mm-hmm. so that you're all comfortable with it. However, I think the reason why it comes down to the game master most of the time is because the game master is the one running the game and setting the world and creating the, the scenarios. And so I do think that because they're the person who is being tasked by controlling the whole game, I think that is why it tends to fall on them to be able to make the arbitration decisions because if they don't, because if they're like not following, if they're not making the rulings, then they have to keep track of like the player rules versus their own rules or understanding of the game. So that's, I think, the biggest thing for it. And Honestly, like, yeah, I think that if you are a game master and you don't like a particular rule, obviously, I think that you should discuss it with your players so they don't take things that are in violation for it. But at the same time, rule of cool is like the ultimate beginning of of games. So if you as a a game master hate a rule and it takes away from your fun of playing the game, I can understand not wanting to use it. So that's why I think like, yeah, if the person running the game is not enjoying the game because of certain aspects, they kind of get the first choice to take it away. And I do think it merits a conversation with players mm-hmm. to be like, because like they said, maybe everybody loves this particular thing and the game master doesn't want to run it. Then it might be like, well, maybe I don't want to have this person be my game master if they don't want to play the games that I want to play in. Yeah. But yeah. that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. At the risk of being hopelessly pedantic, I wonder if, if there's some value in zooming out a little bit with the question of why do these games have rules? Yeah. Right? So to me, there's an answer of like, well, when we were five and playing in the sandbox, it was, I have a force field. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. I have a laser that beats force fields. Like, yeah, that was fun when we were five. But even then, like, 90% 90% of the time, an adult ends up adjudicating those arguments. <laughs> no, they just, they, no, no one has a force field when the adult steps in. It's, you're not playing this game anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is what we're trying to alleviate by having rules at all. So we, there has to be a rule set. I think we can agree, right? I'm, yeah. I'm kind of just like thinking this out loud. But the tale to that is, okay, who decides the rules? Well, the people who wrote the game. But then... You're right, the rule of cool has to come out on top of that. Mm-hmm. But to me, that all has to boil down to what, what kind of what was alluded to, predicated here, is having a discussion about that. And yeah, there's a component to this where it just has to be an issue of time, right? Like we're here yeah. to play a game, we've decided what the rule set is, and if somebody wants to do something different, we have to have a conversation about that. Like if we're, I'm going to change the grapple rules... I need to talk to the group about that. Yeah. Right. Whenever I'm running D and have the way that I like to do critical hits, but not everyone likes to do it my way. Yeah. So I check in, like, hey, I like to do max damage because rolling three ones on your double dice sucks. Yeah. So that doesn't feel good to me. I'd rather just have max damage. But the people are like, no, I want to roll double the dice. Like, okay, have fun, and I'll I'll just do that. I agree. So. I think a lot of it is also still just tradition. Like there is adjudication, but there are ways to do that now without having a person there. But I feel like this is something that has been part of TTRPGs since the beginning. For good or ill, it's something that's hard to break away from because it's at the core of a lot of game design. Because 
a lot of game design, no matter how indie it is now, is still kind of built on the foundation of more traditional games. There are games that are pulling away from this now. There's a lot of GM-less games out there that you can play. So I think people are now playing with that idea of like, hey, we can still have this make-believe with fair rules and with randomizers without having a like admin figure in the game. Yeah. So I think that's interesting because I think it's a question a lot more people are asking now. And there's, I'm forgetting, it's like, Beyond something beyond believing, there's like a set oh, of um, yeah. There's a whole set of games that are amazing, and they're kind of like a branch of the PBTA. Like they've branched off in another direction. Someone will tell me in the chat, belief beyond believing or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shoot. Bed Bath and Beyond. Yep. Yeah, not, that's yeah, the one. That's yeah, it, that's it. the RPG. Yes, but they're all narrative games that have no GM, but still have a lot of kind of core mechanics that like everyone kind of agrees upon. And so I think it's a Worth asking, belonging beyond belonging. That's what it is. Thank I'm you. Look into those. I don't think I know about those yet. Yeah, they're great. I haven't gotten a chance to play. I own like three that I backed on Kickstarter because that's yeah. what you do when you back things on Kickstarter. You put them on your shelf and you think how pretty they are and that you'll run them someday. Yeah. And, and you don't for a long time if you do. So I, I think that's a good question to ask. Do we need those things? Yeah. Yeah. There is one thing I want to address here that, that feels legit to me. And, and like, this I happened do, to yeah. me. I do want to go through the numbers individually. Yeah, yeah. So, number one, mm-hmm. one oh. player knows the rules better. Belonging outside belonging. Sorry about that. Oh, got it. Okay. Bad outside beyond. So, somebody knows the rules better than the GM, or the GM just makes a wrong call, right? This happened to me when I had made a monk in Dungeons & Dragons, and their whole kit is based on how much faster they are than everyone. Mm-hmm. They, they have movement, they can go up the wall, they can... It's yeah. all this wild stuff, right? Yeah. And... Our DM, sort of separately from that, decided like movement issues, movement penalties. I'm not going to apply those. Those aren't fun. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to use this like eighth of the rule set. Was I there for that game? Maybe. I yeah, think so. I think so. I remember yeah. that. I was like, oh. And I was like, okay, so you could have told me that when I said I was making a monk. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would have said, oh, cool. I'll make the druid I was thinking of instead. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever, right? Or be like, okay, I know that I'm throwing these rules out, you're playing this character that has this thing, so let's find a way to make it still, right. like, you get an extra attack instead, or right. you get, like, without spending chi points, like, you might have that, like, that's a thing that could possibly right. be an offset. I, I would have been happy to make a deal, yeah. right? But it was a little, like, in the moment of, like, cool, I'm gonna use this, all this extra movement, and blah, 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 I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, we're not gonna use that, like, so, like, uh, just a third of my kit is, yeah. I'll set it aside. Because I've also seen, like, oh, I had somebody want to play Matt Mercer's class that he made. In, Bloodhunter. Uh, yeah, yeah, Bloodhunter. I'd never read it before. I didn't know it. And I said, look, if you know the rules for it and you can tell me how it works in the moment, fine. I'm not going to read it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't have, I'm not going to do that research for you. But I, hopefully a DM will, or GM will let somebody also be a subject area expert yeah. to say like, hey, what do you get for this? What is your bonus for that? And because there's also that component of the GM, like, no, my calling is final, blah, 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 blah. That is a person who is afraid to share the power at the yeah. table, I think, yeah. a little bit, which is, I mean, that is a little bit of the root of this. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, part of the way that I GM, I'm lazy as heck when I GM. So for me, not like that, I, even when it's character classes that are that I have played that I'm in the thing, I don't want to micromanage my players' characters and their their yeah, classes. So I'm like, for that. I'm going to trust my players that the rules that you know for your characters are the right rules, and that like you're not going to. If if I think my my characters are cheating with the rules to like make the game 
win. I don't want to play with players anyway. So yeah, right. not an environment that I want to foster. Yeah, we filtered that out already. <laughs> but at the same time, I want to respond to this. Number one, this player knows the rules better than the game master. I will say that depending on the phrasing of this and the situation at hand, it's real obnoxious when you're the game master and you have a player who thinks they know the rules better than you and wants to constantly correct you on the rules. Yeah. Like, that is not fun as a GM. It's disrespectful at times. And so, again, this is a context-specific question that there's not a lot of, not a lot of information here to tell it. Like, if this is like, once in a blue moon, a GM makes the wrong call, and then the player's like, hey, actually, this is actually how this works. I, as a GM, am usually pretty good. Going, oh, okay, well, we'll just, let's just like roll that back, and we'll fix that. But if I feel like I'm constantly being told, like, oh, well, actually, about the rules, and it's a nitpick thing... I would not want that player at my table. So yeah. there's a real spectrum here of yeah. why this is or isn't a thing. Sure. I think a lot of it is like the person individually too. Yeah. Because like I've played at a table. Nick is a met, like he's a wizard with rules. Yeah. Like you're you're playing in his game now. You'll see like yeah. he. Encyclopedic. Yeah. Like yeah. amazing. Like I would never be upset. Also because he's like one of my best friends. Like if yeah. he's like, oh no, the rules work like that. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, never upset. If it's someone who's doing but it... But you also can't hear the noise of him pushing his glasses up his nose no, but see, as the, he's gearing up to say something. Never, yeah. ever, ever. And Dave is the same way. Dave is really good about rules. And so there's times where it's like, hey, or even at the table, like, like I'm running one ring right now. There's a lot of rules in that game. So it's like once in a while, I just hit like the brain fart where you're like, hey, we, we did this like four weeks ago. Does anybody remember how this went? <laughs> yeah. And like we all kind of chime in and we do it together. Yeah. And so I think there's a point of, and I think that's one of the things that's starting to kind of break down and probably has been broken down with good gaming groups for a long time. Like this GM behind the, the, the screen that has to be in control of every aspect of their world and stuff like that. And it's kind of like a facade that's been built up for so long. And while I see why at some point it would be helpful, why it's dramatic and kind of cool and why there's still like a lot of people who kind of go for that, even on like streaming and stuff like that. There's also, I think that's, I don't think that's the truth to most games nowadays. That made me think of something. Now, first of all, as we all know, I have a reputation of somebody who knows the rules of the game inside and out and abides by them and, you know, really like, I want to make sure we follow all the rules of the game all the time, <laughs> right? I tried to keep a straight face through. <laughs> I don't even bother I, anymore. I, yeah. um, I, can, I, I think I played a game with you. We, we forgot which game we were playing halfway through. It. That could be. That could be. <laughs> but I guessed it on that. One. But but I did. You just made me think, Kimmy, when you were saying like, oh, the the stodgy old game master behind the game screen, and what that reminded me of though was the times where I was that game master, and I had moved heaven and earth to get this fucking gaming group together mm -hmm. and all here on the same night doing the thing nobody else had put as much effort in as me yeah, yeah. and i had prepped a story i was running fucking shadow run and whatever it was like i had done a lot of fucking work to make that game happen yeah and if somebody was gonna come in and be like um that's not actually how that works like you know what you can run your own fucking campaign yeah I'm changing this rule. That's what I was saying earlier. I think there there is a degree of, in my opinion, if if it's a GM'd game, so we're not talking about belonging beyond belief sure. or whatever, yeah. belonging outside belonging. There is a degree of, I think, privilege granted to the GM as a appreciation for the amount of work yes. they're putting into the yeah. game. Exactly. And that that is, I think, why I think I pinged 
so much on that first statement, given lack of tone from the, from the letter writer and obviously because it's text context and not knowing the situation and why I made the jokes. So this feels very specific. But yeah, I think like, again, I'm not going to speak about Thomas because I don't know Thomas's experience with, with their Game Master. Mm-hmm. But I will say from my own experience with games, when there's something that's kind of like on the edge and someone gets really nitpicky with me about it, I want to be like, well, you know what? Run your own fucking campaign then. Yeah. Because I worked my ass off for this. And like, I yeah. And so much is put on the GM when it comes to games. Like, for some reason, we still expect the GM to definitely be the person in charge of scheduling. Right. To be, and and yeah. that's rough because I'm not good at scheduling. My ADHD kicks in. It's really hard for me. To the point where I was trying to get a game off the ground when the the Critical Roles campaign book came out last year, the, mm-hmm. uh, the Netherdeep, yeah. called the Netherdeep. And I was trying to run it. And I kept just having really bad ADHD scheduling holes where I would fall down and forget, and I wouldn't reach out or whatever. And I remember at one point, I told the group, like, hey, I'm going to be fine running this game. I can do this, but I just need somebody else to please handle scheduling for me. And no one stepped, no, up, stepped up and we didn't play the game. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, I also, because it was kind of like a, I'm asking for this one thing, and if people can't do this one thing, this one boundary for me, then I don't trust this. I don't think it's going to be a good conducive group to be part of. Right. right. But that is like a thing. So there's so many things that we expect the GM to do mm-hmm. in charge of the game that just let them have their fucking ruling once yeah. in a while. Seriously. Yeah. Let them have something. Yeah. I totally get that. And it does. It like frustrates you when you are working so hard because it's a lot of pressure, too, because you're you're kind of responsible for everybody's fun. Yeah. Like, but in addition you to shouldn't scheduling. You shouldn't be. You know, in that in You that feel format. that way. Yeah. You yeah. feel yeah. that way. Yeah. Even if other people don't feel that way at your table, like, you put that on yourself a lot. Right. Not you, but, like, you as everyone. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. I was like, me specifically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also me. <laughs> and you're yeah. there. And there's even more, like, when you're, being like, streaming it and people are watching and you're like, oh, yes. great. An audience to see every time I screw up. How delightful. Oh, and you already have, <laughs> not this channel so much, but mm. other channels you definitely have people who need to chime in in the chat when you got the rules wrong. I'd be like, well, actually, this is how this is supposed to go. And sometimes you're like, yeah, sorry, I was doing a thing for TV, basically, and I maybe skipped over a couple of rules to yeah. make the story go faster to fit into a two-hour space. So when you already have a chat that's doing that, yeah. you don't need players at your table also doing it yeah. like during game. I think having an after-game conversation is definitely better. About yeah. that. And, sorry, and, I didn't interrupt you. I'm no, sorry. no, no, it's okay. That's right. That's absolutely part of it. And I, I like... I feel like so much of it is like the tone of who and who they're doing it. And yeah, like streaming is a whole nother beast. You get people in chat, but also like I welcome corrections, like if they're given with like good intention and you can totally tell when people type things on the internet most of the time, Mm -hmm. like Erica Odd is amazing. And she became like part of our community because we were doing a Savage Worlds game and she's she's like, yeah, she's like the Savage Worlds expert. And she was obsessed with the campaign and she watched and she like typed hey, you did this, it should be like this. But, like, in a way that was, like, encouraging. Like, yeah. you would want your, like, little league coach to be like, that was great. Next time, try and hit the ball. But keep going and and run that way, not the other way. Yeah, do yeah. The, like, <laughs> just go the right way around the base. Yeah, run the way. Yeah. But, like, good job. I love it. I'm going to watch more, you Erica know? Was, was in chat and is very happy. That oh, awesome. Yeah. I know awesome. she is. <laughs> um, Have you ever seen a t-ball game? Oh, yeah. Of the, like, there's a first base coach, a second base coach. I'm like, come here, come here, run this way. Run this way. Every adult (laughs) is cheering on every kid on the field. Yeah. Something about T-ball is magical. Right. And there's that vibe. Like, if people are, like, cheering you on through their corrections and through, like, their support of, like, hey, this is how it works. Like, you can feel it. And it's like, 
I love everything you're doing. Oh, here's a little thing. Like, for the most part, that doesn't annoy me. It's when they're, like, doing it in a way to, like, show how superior they yes, are. Yes, right. Exactly. And, like, well, actually, I know more about this, so I obviously am better than you. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yeah, just bad things. And so wherever it's coming from, whether it's someone at the table, whether it's people on the internet, whatever it is, uh, we used to run into this all the time on, like, gaming forums. Yeah. You'd go in and ask a question. It's a new thing on Discord. You go in and you jump into a Discord for a new game you're trying to run, and people there can be toxic as hell and make you never want to touch the game again and sorry you even bought it. Or they can be amazing and you can be like, I am so glad I'm in this community. Yeah. So I feel like that is, I feel like intent and the way they approach things is such a big part of that. And if you're feeling this at the table where it feels adversarial, that's a problem. Yeah. It's a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like with that monk character in that moment, I don't think I felt comfortable really. Like I waited till after that session Mm -hmm. and I was like, Hey, look, this is a whole thing, and I don't even remember how it worked. I just remember being in that moment and like, man, this fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know that feeling. You know, but it's also that moment has informed when I run a game, and I know I'm going to change a rule. It happens every once in a while. I check in with my group, and I'm like, look, gang, I don't think this is working well. I want to do this, this, and this instead. Yeah. yeah. Does that work for everyone? Does that fuck up anyone's character sheet? Yeah. You know, yeah. like. Is that going to mess with it? Is there something I need to like reincorporate and like, actually keep in this change that I want to make? Because if you're like people make their characters with the goal of being successful, not necessarily like our you know modern mature gamers aren't trying to win at RPGs. That's not a thing. Yeah. But everyone wants to feel useful and successful with their character, right? So yeah. Hopefully, I think we all have a little bit of self insert into any of our characters. Yeah. Even if they're horrible people, they. We want to win at having a cool character. Yes. And if you change the rules on me, then I I don't know what I was supposed to do. So that part of it feels valid where the game master needs to have that consistency and needs to communicate a change ahead of time. Yeah. Like I said earlier, when I run session zeros, usually I do, if I'm playing a known system that has a lot of rules that might be often shifted around or contentious or whatever. D&D, um, just Yeah, D&D. especially D&D. But I've, <laughs> no, I've done it with other games too. Yeah. Like, uh, and, um, yeah, I love um, that game. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's so great. Yeah, but especially with D&D, there's a lot of rules. Like, I don't know anyone who actually uses encumbrance rules ever in D&D. So, oh, like, I like, forgot that was I, a thing. I literally, as a joke, when I was on, I'm actually at a question about, about encumbrance mm-hmm. and, and my jokey answer was, I'm actually no one uses encumbrance. Like, that was my fake answer. Yeah. But, I never use encumbrance rules, but yeah, if somebody's like, oh, I personally purposely built a Goliath so that I can, I don't know, whatever, have a bigger carrying capacity. I don't think sure. that's the thing. But yeah, it's like the first thing I do in Skyrim is find a cheat code that gets rid of the encumbrance problem in Skyrim. Yeah. And no one wants to tiptoe across the freaking the north. But anyway, yeah. so where was I? Yeah, so I usually do sit down, but like you like your mention of of crit rolls and being want to be like, yes, I I just double, I just do max damage and whatever. Like when I was running, my last time I ran a D and D game on stream was for Saving Throw. Mm-hmm. I did a a Theros game, and I said that ahead of time, like, "Hey, we're on stream. We're only playing two hour sessions at a time. So instead of having us counting a ton of dice a bunch, whenever we have a, a, a crit roll, it's just going to be max max damage. Is that cool with everybody? Like that's a thing we know ahead of time going into the game, so that when it happens, it's just there and ready to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. As long as everybody has. Like, that's the part of game mastering where you need to make sure everyone has a voice. Like, if you're just unilaterally saying, this is the rule now. Mm-hmm. Like, right. 
if you're gonna do that, do it way up front before anybody makes their characters. It's still like you should kind of still ask. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're playing a system everyone's played a bunch of times. If you do that with a system nobody else has played every time, they're not gonna have opinions because <laughs> unless they're Nick and they've read through the book and, and they, memorized it already. Yeah, they know the whole book inside <laughs> yeah. and out. Yeah. But also I will say this is less of a rule thing and more of just like a like mentioning the thing that you talked about, about like, oh, I can't play my monk because this rule was changed. Right. Mm-hmm. I think a previous conversation ahead of time could have adapted that because there are sometimes settings in games where you can't, like certain characters won't be as useful in this campaign. That's just what it is. A really good example, speaking of Nick, not that we're not, we can't use these characters, but in the Oz game, Nick gave us the instruction of we can't take supernatural edges at character creation because all of our characters are starting on Earth. And he's like, you might be able to get them once you're in Oz and once you start advancing, Mm -hmm. you can bring those in. So like if somebody had come in like, oh, I want to play a witch because that's Oz. Like he was like, he would have been like, no, actually you're playing someone from Earth. Right. So again, I've had the same kind of thing where like I run games where I'm like, like running a Theros campaign. If someone wants to play like a steampunk, like artificer like that's not going to work in that campaign if you can find a way to make an artificer work with an ancient greek vibe to sure, it then yeah. that's different like yeah. you want to make like daedalus or something sure. you can make that work yep. but if you just want to make like you know this high fantasy thing it's not going to fit so that also might be why rules might get in that yeah prohibit character creation yeah um, it's okay yeah and i do think that like high prep rules heavy games kind of lead to the vibe of player versus gym like in a more adversarial way but i think just because there's so much to know. And the GM a lot of times end up ends up knowing a lot more than the players do. Not in every case. Like things with the like D&D that have been around for so long, like everyone at the table might know all the rules the same. Okay? But in a lot of times the GM has read up on them more recently prepping for the game because they are prepping everything mm. while the players are just prepping their characters. Right. So I think it ends up creating more of a hierarchical space, not necessarily adversarial. But that can very easily, coming from a teacher, like, I am in charge of my classroom. It is a community space until it's not anymore. And then when everyone, you know, isn't responsible or it's Friday of a minimum day and Ms. Hughes has to do report cards by three o'clock like it was today. And it was like, okay, we're going to the library. You have to stop talking to the library. You know, there's just those days. Like, I think those moments become very, like... A person, they, the the GM then dictates things rather than having conversations, which isn't necessarily wrong. It's just more likely to happen when there's more things that have to be adjudicated. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I also think it's tempting. There's a, a question about whether high prep rules heavy games lead to adversarial space between players and GMs. I think adversarial happens regardless of the rule set. Yeah, right. That is the mindset of the GM and the players who sat down together because you can have adversarial lasers and feelings Mm -hmm. if if that's what you do. And you can have a super collaborative, egalitarian space at Dungeons and Dragons. Absolutely. Or Shadowrun, right? So that is entirely the attitude and expectation of the folks at your table. And you can have, well, you should have a conversation about that. And to set up that environment I don't think the rules make it an adversarial experience. It's the people engaging with the rules. Yeah. Possibly, but there are games that are specifically designed not to be that. So I think there are games that have like player power built into them. I think like Savage Worlds is a like a, a first early 
like version of that with Benny's where they can actually then make things happen. So they start having mechanics Whoa. where players start to have moments where they can adjudicate things. Yes, but I will say from the GM point of view with that kind of setting, because mm-hmm. I've, I've run a lot of the Doctor Who RPG, which has a similar Benny thing, which is story points. Yeah. And you can actually like spend story points for things. Sometimes that can actually even lead to more of an adversarial conversation unintentionally where players don't really know the limit of what they can or can't do with story points. And there's a certain thing where it's like, well, I'm not going to let you just solve the entire story yeah. with spending story points. Like right. with Doctor Who especially, there's a lot of like, oh, well, what if I can rig the sonic screwdriver to do this or I can do this? And it's kind of like, well, then that's like, why are we even playing a role-playing game if you right. like spend some point? Like it's not about having currency towards something. Yeah. And I also think that there are games like like you mentioned about Lasers and Feelings. Mm-hmm. I think a really good example is when we were playing Kids on Brooms, there wasn't always a clear-cut description of... One thing I'm frustrated by with that system is the magic system is so open-ended that sometimes as a player, you're not really sure how to do a certain spell. Mm. And like when we were doing Hexbreakers, Emily luckily was just so chill that she'd be like, well, what do you think you should roll for this? And if you said an answer, she would go, that sounds great, roll that. Yeah. But you might have had a GM in another game who might be like, no, this is what you're trying to do, and this is what this rule, and like that might have been, because there's not a clear-cut definition in the rules yeah. of this is what it is, you really could get into a back and forth. And that's a pretty rules-light system, yeah. which is what leads to the possibility for debate sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, but, absolutely. you know, in the defense of a game like Shadowrun, the flamethrower spell is very clearly laid out. It yeah. has a range. It has a yeah. damage. It has a, a fan out ability. Like it is really clear what it can and can't do from the position that you're in and how much drain you're going to take. And there's just no ambiguity in what's going to happen there. So I don't think that has to be adversarial mm-hmm. in nature, if only because, oh, hey, these rules are super clear and laid out. And yeah. I know what to do in this situation. There's yeah. nothing to argue about. Well, that's also what in the player one, I mean, the first question is like, the rules are super laid out, but the person made a ruling that's not exactly right for the rules. And right. that's why it's like, well, why does the GM get to decide that they're changing that rule when it's printed that way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is followed up for me by the players at the number three here, because I think we talked about two, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so the players, at least a majority of them, have talked about how they'd like to change a rule. Yeah, I'm like, the GM should sit in on that conversation, you know, should like participate in that conversation. If they're yeah. not, this oh, is not yeah. a good GM for your table. One of you should take over GMing. Yeah, which like, is what I said early on. But yeah. yeah, if you have a GM you just cannot get on the same page with, you probably shouldn't be playing together. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, because also I'm curious about like, oh, players don't like how a certain rule works and have found a solution they think is fair and the GM doesn't like the change. Like, maybe there's a reason that GM doesn't like the change. Like, maybe it does break something about the game for them. And, like, maybe the player hasn't thought that through all the way. Yeah. Or, you know, it's possible. And, like, if you you can't be both mad that the GM can change rules that they don't like, but then also, like, but we should be able to change rules. Like, it's like, you kind of have to go both ways with it, which is why, again, I think it comes to down to having a conversation yep. ahead of the game or to have it. And, like, yeah, sometimes you're going to have rulings that you don't agree with. And the question is, can you continue to play a game as a rule that you don't always find to be like in your personal favor? Right. And for heaven's sake, just like give some grace. Like there's going to be moments where the GM doesn't quite remember something perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like deal and like think about it. Like, is this worth like this moment? Like, right. is it worth like 
one, can I bring it up in a way that's not going to like bring everything to a grinding halt and ruin mm. the vibe? And Is it worth walking out of my house and never talking to Jason again after a ruling on well, hopefully a not that. move? But would it be worth an uncomfortable conversation and us both having to have a drink later and get over it? Like, that's more hopefully the vibe of it. Mm, if it's yeah. to the point where you're like, someone's going to walk out, then yeah, you should just leave anyway. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Nothing that actually happened at my house. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but like, also like people just make mistakes and just like... Yeah. You have to be able to assume best intent. Exactly. Who makes yes. mistakes? Yeah. I do. I don't one. know. Never Jason. I'm the one. I don't know her. But like knowing the person. That, <laughs> That's like, Riley. I'm right here. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. We've you know, met just, many times. It's me. So I'm the times. mistake. <laughs> it's me. Yeah, definitely. Then, you know, just assuming best intent by the players who are trying to correct you or by the players who are seeing a GM making the wrong call. Like, oh, they're just trying to kill my player or whatever, like, yeah. or my character. Like stuff like that. If you're like trying to break my story, yeah, it's like no, yeah. They're like assume best intent. If you're not at a table, you can assume best intent from everyone. Then there's a bigger problem, and it's not about the rules, and it's not about like the GM, you know, having the dynamic choice. Yeah, I agree with that. So yeah, and for for the players who who maybe feel a little grumpy about a a GM choice, remember, like the GM can just kill all your characters, right? At any point, at any time, could do it. Like that's not why they're there. Hopefully, like GM. You don't do that. That's not the yeah. point of this. But best advice ever. Advice podcast done. Over and out. Done yeah. after 31 seasons. That's it. But it's just worth saying that it's <laughs> the dynamic there of the GM leading a story is if you're not playing a GM-less game, it's necessary, mm-hmm. right? The GM has a lead leadership position of type. I don't like the GM is God. What they say goes. No. Bring them snacks or they will smite you. But it, it is nice to bring your GM. Sure. But not it. because they're going to punish you no, for not yeah. doing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Unless that's a whole vibe that you're into that you've agreed to ahead yeah. of time. And it's a safe word. Then yeah. that's fine. Yes. But yeah, I, I just think we can drag this into the future kicking and screaming. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you, mm. Thomas from Denmark. Next one. You want to read it, Jason? Uh, sure. Yeah. Dear Kimmy and the almighty crew, so I got a new job. I am now the box office manager of the Redacted University Theater and the Redacted Shakespeare Festival. I am really excited because back when I did theater in college, I was drawn to the more business end of things. So here I am in my 50s coming full circle. The bad news is all the things I wanted to do for gaming are smack in the middle of show runs. Oh, <laughs> of course they are. So, Now, after all that wonderful advice about running things at cons, won't be happening. Then, Kimmy mentioned running things on Discord. I realized I could apply a lot of what was suggested to that. However, I don't know the logistics of running things on Discord. Things like getting the pregens to characters and having them choose. Overcoming massive imposter syndrome. Oof. Okay. At me, I guess. (laughs) How do you display things on Discord? Do you typically let them roll dice or use a dice roller attached to the Discord? Admittedly, I run online games now, but it's an unholy alliance of Skype and Roll20 with a lot of theater of the mind. Plus, my players are too nice and don't call me out on stuff that I bash my head in about. Probably later, I guess. Except the fact that they noticed I really hated Star Trek Adventures. (laughs) Yes, I am afraid. (laughs) So, that's that. Have a discussion. Talk about Discord logistics for tabletop gaming. I want to do it. As always, stay diverse, stay gaming, stay a bit tipsy too. 
Mugs held high, Eric from New Jersey. Cheers, Eric. Thank you. I need some clarification here. So, because Kimmy mentioned running things in Discord, that sounds like it's a previous conversation. Are we talking about running things like through a video server on Discord? How about running chat based, like text based role playing? Uh, video, I think, is the mm-hmm. assumption. Well, in both. And mo- okay. the conversation before is like how to find people. Yeah. Okay. So, we talked about you can find people on Discord. You can play through Discord too. It has, I've done that quite a few times. I'm not an expert. You know, I haven't run a game through Discord, but I generally like, okay, for just heaven's sake, Eric. Don't. Why are you still using Skype? Yeah. Don't use Skype anymore. Move on, friend. Come, come play with Move us. Move on. The Happy Jacks Discord has games popping up all the time. Yes. And not to mention JackerCon, but even just like casual games yeah. pop up all the time. Yeah. Play in some games. Yeah. That's the, my biggest advice to you. Yeah. Basically, what you do, you just download Discord if you haven't, and you should go to happyjacks.org/discord and join our Discord. Discords are like like chat rooms, but there's many. You, it's like a server. Wait, is there so more it, than one Discord? I thought it was just Happy Jacks. And there's ma- and then so. so many, so many. Mm. But basically, each they're like a big chat room where there's like topics on the side. They're broken into channels. So each one of those is like a sub chat room. And in not there, to be confused with other kinds of sub chat rooms. Yeah, yeah. No, not like that. Not <laughs> there's like, no top chat room. I mean, I mean are. there are definitely on Discord. We don't not happen on to Happy have Jacks. one. Yeah. Yeah. I would know. There isn't. Uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> But um, so Happy Jack's get, night. Nice. <laughs> I mean, th- there isn't a mature channel. Yeah, there uh, is. Yeah. Yes, there is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. All the dirty jokes. Yeah. yeah. We don't make them anywhere else. None. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, let you, let you get your spiel and then we'll get it. It's okay. Well, and Discord has the ability to do type. It also does voice conversations. You can mm-hmm. do like calls through there and you can do like video calls. Yeah. So I haven't run one as a GM, but I've played in a lot of games on Discord. Most of the time, it's very easy. You literally just log in and you click on a chat room that happens to be a video call. And then it like asks you, do you want to activate your camera? And you click the thing and you do it. And then your picture pops up with all the other pictures there. Just like Skype, except it doesn't completely screw your operating system and take up so much just thinking power of your machine. And surprisingly enough, like while the video quality is fine, the audio quality on Discord calls is magical. I don't know whose soul was sold, <laughs> but their audio quality is unbelievably good. The connectivity of calls, I've hardly ever had somebody drop out of a Discord call mm-hmm. versus like Zoom or yeah. Skype. How oh dare. I actually run a game on Discord because mm-hmm. I that's why I asked for clarification. Yeah. Because my Doctor Who game, my podcast game of Rassilon, we used to run over Skype oh, because awesome. nobody wanted to pay for Zoom yeah. and you had to pay for Zoom to get more than like 20 minutes at a time to record. Yeah. And so we were running on Skype. Then we tried running on, what's the website where as you're like, while you're recording, it's backing up all your audio. There's like a, oh, yeah, it's yeah. a podcasting. Yeah, there's a couple of them, yeah. but yeah. And there's one that was a big one, but I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. It's mm. like, it's like Soundgarden or something yeah, like yeah. that. But I think Soundgarden's a band, but yeah, it's, um, <laughs> totally. it's, like, it's not Soundgarden. Or something like that. Um, Savage Garden. No, uh, that's also okay. Okay. Soundflower. Soundflower. That might be it. I don't know. Anyway, so I, I'm a, no, okay. Anyway, we eventually started using Discord. Mm-hmm. And because, okay, so Eric, I mentioned OBS. I have an older Mac. Wait, 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 okay. OBS will mess up my system. Yeah, so we yeah. started using Discord and I have loved it. And like you said, the audio quality, we still record remotely because we're going to have people editing our stuff to put out for a podcast. Oh, so but for 
Discord, we also run, uh, we have an app called Craig that just records all the audio on Discord. And the only problem with using that as our just main recording is it doesn't give us any channels Separate of audio. channels to audio. So oh, it's, it's you all can't mixed as one long out. thing. Okay. But so, if you're not making a podcast, yeah, that doesn't matter right, at all. So if you're playing. But I'll say, yeah, we don't we don't typically use the in-app dice, although it is very easy if you do use the dice roller in Discord. You can type in dice rolling if you want to. We typically still have players roll in their own dice trays. Mm-hmm. And I think that the question is, do I do this or do this? I honestly think you ask your players at your table, hey, would you rather roll virtual dice? Would you rather roll manual dice? I personally always prefer rolling real dice. I mean, there's something Same. about the tacit feeling of it. So like tactile, I should say, not tacit, tactile feeling of rolling dice. Yeah. But it's great. And it's it's really, it's one of the better both chat or video conferencing softwares that I've I've used. I do occasionally feel like the video can tie up a lot of bandwidth. So a lot of times I will switch over to just audio on my end. But that's also kind of an issue with my computer, maybe. But yeah. And then as far as the questions about... Just real quick to clarify. And that's something that each person can choose. Yeah. So if like everyone's got their video on and then you notice your bandwidth is lagging a little bit, you can just click off your video. Yeah, just like so. So then your picture pops up. And then, yeah, so it's very similar functionality to what you're already used to on Skype. Yeah, it's a super, it's, we're basically just talking about using a different video conferencing setup. Exactly. Discord, what's nice about Discord versus using Skype or Zoom or Google Meetup or anything else is that, like Kimmy said earlier, there are countless communities on Discord. Mm. And what's nice about using Discord for running your games is that then you have both your gaming system and your community all in one place. Yeah. So you can have, it's great when you're, when I'm running D&D games that are through Discord, we did a lot of that during the pandemic where we would have like a channel, we have like a Discord server that was just for our game. Like maybe eight people in this server in that, versus like a community one like Happy Jacks where there are hundreds to thousands of people in this one server. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah, sometimes you might just make a server it's free to make. And you yeah. can just like, once you've got your group, you can have everyone join your server. You might just have your group in that server and that's it. And then you can make three or four chat channels. And like one can be like lore dumps. One can be like a recap of last week's game. One can be a channel where people just drop art of their characters. One can be a channel where you, you can, you can make as many little sub threads as you want and you can make map channels and things like that. And then you can also just have your little video and chat server at the bottom of that list. And that's where you can play at. And then when you're playing your games, you can actually hop into the channel's chat server. So if somebody is in a scene that doesn't involve your character and you have like a side question, you can just send a little message instead of having to like wait or DM somebody, like you can just pop it in there. And then when people get to it, they can look at it. So that's what I think is great about Discord is you're able to manage your game while also playing a game at the same time. And that is free. Yeah. Yeah, one of the games I played in actually had a channel for each player and the GM, like by themselves, like private. Like it wasn't super private, but like, you yeah. trust it. Nobody else is going to look at it. And you can actually make it so people you can, can't so access it. You, you, you can also them. just DM someone. Yeah. I'm surprised they were channels. Well, it made it so you could keep a tra- keep track of it easier yeah. and doesn't get lost when you DM a bunch of people and it gets uh, pushed down the list. Yeah. Well, if you DM uh, okay. somebody, DMs are at the top of Discord in a separate channel. Oh. If you're in a server yeah. for a game, that way it's all collected yeah, near each point. other. point. Okay, I see the value just of like that. Organizationally, it's like all in one place, which oh, is cool. Good. Yeah, and that's the greatest part of it. it. Like like Riley was saying, there's all these options. And also, if you're in a, a bigger server, like the Happy Jacks one or even some other ones, they can 
bump, they can boost themselves. The Happy Jacks one is boosted to tier one, I think it is. Jackalope's like the expert on all this stuff. I'm like the pad oh, one. Oh, yeah. They're but, <laughs> a wizard. Yeah. But, Discord Jedi. Yeah. And that makes the bandwidth faster. So it actually, you have better video and better, better audio quality through those servers because they've thrown a couple bucks at, yeah. at, the, at Discord. So that helps. And yeah, it's just, it's nice because you can literally like jump in and be like, hey, I want to run this. And like, you can literally, okay, everyone join this channel. And like, y'all just pile in or whatever. Or if you want to do like a super well-planned out game, you can make your own thing like Riley was discussing. Yeah. There was a question of, do you use a separate digital play space for maps or cards like Roll20? It depends on the game, because like with Doctor Who, we usually just run Theater of the Mind. But yes, typically, if I'm going to run a virtual tabletop, I usually do it in a separate window. And I usually, I do have that all separately from. So we use the Discord for the main stuff, and we use the VTT in a separate yeah. window. Yeah, you uh, can still hear everything, and like you can flip back and forth if you really want to see people's faces. But a lot of time, if you're using Roll20, at least like the last time I played D&D and Roll20, it's like everyone's just looking at their little character pictures anyway. Yeah. I think sometimes we'd flip back because we had yeah. some theatrical. Joey was in that game, so it's very theatrical. So you want to see Joey when what? he gets in the character, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, like it's even even Eric in this email says that they run Skype and Roll Twenty with Lothi of the Mind. So what you're basically doing is replacing Skype with Discord, and by doing so, you're getting the ability to have channels that you can access and uh, can, can and it would that. probably be better for your operating your like your operating yeah. system would be uh, much less bogged down. I, I really want to reiterate that we're, we're saying, oh, the best part is this you know, channel or, or thing like from a technical point of view, the compression rates, the throughput, the connectivity on discord is vastly superior. My weekly stream that I do with our mutual friend, Sam Delev, we stream, they send their face and their screen to my PC over discord, which I then feed into my OBS and all of that bandwidth, I have an average bandwidth at my house. I have a good PC, but my bandwidth is average. It's good to average. And Discord manages all of that. They never drop out. I don't have weird connectivity things like I did with Zoom sometimes. And just the reliability of that connect. I'm, I'm now a Discord salesperson, apparently. It's honestly but, wild how much good stuff you get out of Discord for free. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. And then I ended up paying the like $5 a month thing and boom, our video quality shot through the roof. Yeah. It's so good. It looks like they're in the room with me. Plus so. then you can take your emotes to any server you're on. Yes. So I yeah. can use my little Wonder Woman emote on everything. Yes. I got to upgrade to exact reason because I have a friend who has access to all these cool queer emotes and I can't use any of them. Like, uh, like little hearts that are pride flags and stuff and I want them so badly. Yeah. yeah. The old, for some reason, the only emotes that I can take to other channels are like I have like three or four saving thrower emotes that I can use. I don't know why those ones particularly like like a, it's just weird because like yeah. not all their ones yeah. and not other ones that I'm in. I yeah. like having our good news one. People are like, "What is that?" <laughs> like it's a little newspaper. Good news. Yeah. Yeah, we have a bunch of good ones at Happy Talks. I have to steal some of them for our Twitch. Every but, time I see the good news one, I, I hear Franz with them. I go, "Good news, everyone!" <laughs> it comes in a suppository. <laughs> Pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we're sort of organizing it now. Like, it hasn't been like official. We haven't launched it, but the community and like sort of herded by me, but not like necessarily instigated by me is starting what we're going to call Happy Jack's Game Days, D A Z E, where like every other month we do like, okay, anyone who wants to run a game for the community, go ahead and run it on this Saturday, the second Saturday or whatever. And we're going to do it like every other month. Yeah. And it's going to be super chill and relaxed. And we'll still have our big, like, 
weekend full con later in the year, like end of summer, usually that's when Jack when JackerCon is, which is our fan run, fan run online convention. But this is just something to kind of get people organized because so many people want to run games. So many people are talking about all these cool different games they want to run. And it's just a matter of like everybody's schedules being wild. So if we're all know to like plan, okay, every other month, the second Saturday or the third Saturday or whatever it is, like we can all start like planning for it. So that actually is a thing that just started getting planned like last night. I'm very excited about that. I will say too, in general with Discord, I resisted it for a long time because I had so many other things. I was, I was in Slack, and so I was on social media. I will say as more and more social media sites have just shit the bed, mm-hmm. there is something I've really started to love Discord. And I'm because I'm in enough channels now, like I know we all kind of were like, oh, there's so many channels. But I'm starting to get that. It's not quite the same as the way that on Facebook. So the appeal for a Facebook for me always was that I liked having that main feed that would filter in what was happening in my groups. Mm-hmm. Like groups where we used to, we used to be yeah, like organized yeah. role-playing game yeah. stuff. And I, it's not quite that uh, good rip, on Discord. G plus real quick, just rest yeah. in peace, G plus. We loved you. Yeah. Did we? All right. I think, uh, did we? All right. You you might have. Okay. It had some good um, spaces to use. It was I, really amazing. I didn't get to use it very. Right. I, I, uh, I, I never found a community on there. So uh, I would say okay. that. Uh, I that's, a that's, that's a shame. I thought it was a good setup, but I never got a good community with it. But anyway, with, with Discord, I have started to, it's not what I wanted. I wanted that homepage with the scrolling through. But now that I've been on Discord long enough, it is kind of nice because what you can do is you can go into the channels that you are active in. And then like if there are sub threads, you know, you're never really going to check on a regular basis. You can mute those as far as notifications are concerned so that when you're looking at the channels you like, they'll pop up and glow when there are new things set in there and you can go look at them. And then otherwise, you could turn off notifications on things so you're not being hammered by yeah. information constantly. It's nice. But so now that I've really given myself like a year to really like get used to Discord, it used to be like whenever I was on any show and they're like, oh, we have a Discord for this show. And I would go, I'm going to let the fans have that space because I don't want to be invading the fans' space. Yeah. And that was just my way of being lazy and not engaged. No, I, I, I was there too. I had but, that exact same vibe. Now that I've been part of it, it just it's usually pretty chill. People who are on Discord, tend, like, the part of the community tend to be fairly nice about things. It's wild how vastly different different Discords are from each other yeah. as far as the tones and stuff like that are yes. concerned. But I've started to really start spending a lot more time on Discord than I I do on Twitter or Facebook because I'm just it's a happier space. Yes, yeah. it is, and you can generally know, like figure out if you're gonna like a Discord or not, like like a server, like in the first like five minutes. Yeah, like yeah. when you sign up, it's like okay, they have a code of conduct. What does their code of conduct say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh oh oh, nothing about uh, oh mm, okay, go in carefully. Yeah yeah. Oh, nope. Bail out. Bail out. If there's like a good code of conduct, a DEIJ statement, like if there's something in there that says like, oh, hey, we're decent human beings. So we give a fuck about other human beings like, oh, okay, cool. Let's I'll give this a minute and see how it goes and Mm -hmm. see if it's enforced. (laughs) It is funny here and seeing people talk about playing forum games and playing games on (laughs) AIM and stuff like that, because I haven't yet played a game on Discord in text form. But if I'm going, if I end up going full circle back to playing role-playing games in like AOL type chat rooms, it's yeah. going to be hey, hilarious. Where are my mushers at? We got any mushers in chat tonight? <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, I was there. 
Uh, yeah, because that's how I played most of my old White Wolf games back in the 90s yeah. with AOL chat rooms. Yeah. Like, I had a couple in-person TTRPGs, but for the most part, I played a lot of online World Darkness and AOL chat rooms. Yeah, I've done I've done play-by-post on, on yeah. in Discord, and it's it works really well because of the same thing you were talking about earlier where you can split things up. Yeah. Oh, in so. Discord, yes. Play-by-post oh. on web forums was a nightmare. No, I did that yeah, too. I hated it. And it was yeah. not great. And especially when you were trying to have a conversation with someone else, and it was all in one like Ugh. thread, and, you'd be like, and you had to like oh, reply. Yeah. Yes, yes. And then read through others, and then, oh, but remember when you would, uh, like, uh, like the italics was, like, your actions, and mm. then, like, yes. yes. I yeah. still to this day do, like, the, the colons, like, yeah, the same thing. action. Yep. Yeah. And actually, I played Alice is Missing on Discord. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's perfect. Perfect yeah. for that. It was amazing. Lloyd, who's running Heaven on High for us right now on Fridays, like, it was, like, one of those games that you played, and just because the way it worked out with everyone playing, the way it worked... And it was my first experience with Alice is Missing. It was like something that like made me completely rethink game design and what games can do. It was just kind of amazing and magical. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, Erica, I also have fond memories of my egg being cracked in the old chat room. <laughs> yeah. Respect. Chat chat is like blowing up with all their nostalgia about. Yeah. yeah. But even not say even in-person games that I have going now, typically I first thing I do is make a Discord channel for the yeah. game. And that's like that is how we organize the game. Because for a long time, it used to always be like, oh, we just have one long running like Facebook Messenger chat about it. Yeah. And I'm so done with trying to organize games on Facebook. So even when we might initially organize things on Facebook Messenger, the idea is we eventually all move to Discord. Yeah. That's where we're going to post things about the game. And yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm finally setting up one for some like further demigods playtesting stuff. I I put it off and put it off. I was like, well, I don't have moderators. I don't have this. Like, that's fine. I'll make my statement. Moderate as needed. I just need to move into this space properly yeah. uh, it's it's too good to pass up yeah i have a golden lasso games one it's very quiet <laughs> it's very quiet you but it's there it's, excellently moderated it is actually they're, yeah yeah it's a very happy good community but they're quiet but they when oh man they were super dedicated proofreaders for my first couple versions and I, I love them i will love them forever for that Aww. all right last email thank you eric from new jersey that was a very that's a, that was a lot more talking than I, I expected. Yeah, it was, a it good was also a topic we don't. It's not, it was less like most of the things we talked about on this show. It was yeah. a very different. Oh, and if I could just say, I sympathize. I meant to comment on the, the mentioning imposter syndrome. Oh. Look, I do this weekly, multiple times a week, and I don't have a fix. A thing that I, has helped me a lot with imposter syndrome is just two things that have helped me a lot with it. One is that I someone told me that. The more you know about a topic, the more likely you are to have imposter syndrome because oh. it's your own oh. knowledge and awareness of something that's making you think you don't know enough. Because people who don't know anything about something think they're experts on it. They're oh, like, yeah. What's that? That has a whole name, right? Yeah. Um, and and I, so if you have really strong imposter syndrome, you probably know a ton about something. And then the other thing that's like a little bit more just fun to think about is to use your imposter syndrome to your advantage and look at it as nobody knows that I'm an imposter and like treat it like you're infiltrating and yeah. you're like getting away with something and you're actually really good at getting away with something. So that's really helpful. But yeah, that thing, hearing that thing about how the, yeah, there is a term for it. Dunning-Kruger. I think it's what effect. it is. Yeah, yeah. The less, the more you know about something, the more likely you are to feel like an imposter at it made me go, wow, I know a lot of, I'm, I'm really, I know a ton <laughs> of stuff about things. And yeah, yeah, that's a good angle to, to yeah, attack that. that. I like it. I also, the other end of that, I will intentionally go like, I, th- I know a lot about this, but these p- people 
don't know that I know. And I'll just go and be like, hey, so I haven't played this game before. What should I know? What should I focus on? Blah, blah, blah. And just follow their lead. Not like, aha, I got you. But yeah. Just go with. This is the second time in two days in this room that somebody has basically taken the tactic of Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls with somebody of playing dumb to make other people think they're cute. <laughs> well, that's a vibe for me. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I just grit and like push through it. I don't have like a strategy. I, I'm sorry. I can't help you. I just am like, all right, fuck it. Let's go. But also, if you have access to therapy uh, resources, that's highly recommended. Yeah. I, I can just see like me showing up with a, my therapist and like, so I like they know I game and I'm just like, so I'm running a game and I feel like I'm going to be terrible at it because this rule and this rule and I'm not sure about these rules and the grappling and blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, you'd be I like the idea that you would <laughs> you would tell your therapist that you don't that you're an imposter in the gaming world when you literally have a gaming studio in the in your that you own. <laughs> but I still you get the feeling a gaming successful studio. gaming product and, and gaming, gaming channel. Company. You have and, two separate yes. gaming <laughs> discords. Right, but I still every Monday night have like a mini panic attack before I run the one ring because yeah. a charlatan and I'm just like terrible at all of this and like it's a thing that every single week is like yeah. There's and I've said it like I think a couple weeks ago I was talking about I have my my crisis I push through it I run the game have the best episode of your life right well for yep. the first like twenty minutes I think I'm, it's terrible and I just am like on the verge of crying and then I get lost in doing it and it's so much fun and then I can't sleep after because it was such a great session and I'm exhausted the next day but I feel like just like like tingly it's like wonderful yep not like not that yeah. tingly but you know what I mean yeah that tingly sometimes yeah, yeah. sometimes no and then shame. like. Uh, ride that high until it gets to be like Friday and then I'm like oh well, the game is in like two days oh no oh I'm so bad at this and it's just like this thing every week no the what, only thing you're bad at is remembering how good you are at it I think I think what it is is this is the thing that I learned a lot when I was doing stand up when I was first starting out like in like the early 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 2000s like I would always think that I was terrible and I would get so anxious before every show and then I would go on stage and have a great show really good at it but no I and I, I remember my friend was saying like you're not really you don't you're interpreting your own nerves about the situation as your inadequacy. But it's like, it's easy. It's easier to look at it and go, oh, no, I'm not that. I'm just excited and anxious about this thing I'm doing in a good way. And if you can like learn to just like recognize that that's what that energy is and not put a negative spin on it. Yeah. Like it is good. That you have that kind of like manic energy going into the game because that's part of what fuels you through it. Yeah. Right. But it's like, so you don't want to lose that energy. You just want to stop letting the energy make you think that you're worse at it than you yeah. actually are. Oh, that's amazing. You don't want to get rid of the butterflies. You want to get them to fly in formation. Yes, yeah, exactly. I'm usually good at hurting things, but yeah. we'll see. I'll try hurting butterflies. Hurt, yeah, because you don't want to hurting? go into a game not hurting. passionate about it or excited about it. You want you don't want to go in a game like, I guess we're going to do this game now. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, fuck it, whatever. For whatever. Yeah, I've been in those games too. Yeah. 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 Ready, Kai? Go speak Elvish. Go. All right. Speak friend or whatever, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mailbag number three. Hey, Kimmy and the intrepid crew of the good ship Happy Jacks. Your pal Rose here with another email. Rose. Love you. you shouldn't have. Gonna keep this short and sweet. What are some of your favorite character rel relationships that you've been part of or witnessed in RPGs? These do not need to be romantic relationships. They can be friendships, family dynamics, or even rivalries you've seen between characters at the table. But they should be romantic. <laughs> Some of my favorites include, one, when Kurt, DT Pints, and Emily, Stork's daughter, played teenage sisters in my masks game. Their bickering made moments they really looked out for each other all the more heartwarming. 
Two, Holly and Jacob in Heaven on High. Their shared struggles controlling their violent impulses have been really fun to play out. When Jacob visited Holly in the hospital, I teared up a little, a little, not gonna lie. Until I darken your doorstep again, yours always, Rose. P.S. This space intentionally left blank. (laughs) I I am sad to notice that none of my characters were mentioned here. Me too. I think that they were, like Rose was talking about ones that she's been involved in, either as the GM or playing. I played Mm -hmm. in that game. Oh, oh, sorry. Mm. Oops. Well, (laughs) no further questions, Your Honor. Yeah, this is awkward now because I feel I agree with Rose. So, um, (laughs) I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the lovely relationship that Kimmy and I got to role play and Hexbreakers because it came out of nowhere and like it came out of bad dice rolls and Kimmy making a choice in role playing that perfectly complemented despite being the exact opposite choice that I made in my role playing. (laughs) which is that I made the choice of my character was going to go all in on trying to disguise skulking around as being on a date. And Kim made the choice of her character was super into the date. And then it became this relationship that lasted <laughs> over the course of the season. And it was really cute. So that was really fun. I'm trying to think of I, non-romantic ones. Mm-hmm. I had a really good non-romantic one in the first Demigods campaign with Abria's character. Oh, yeah. Whose name was Thais? Thais, that's what it was. And like I was the the trickster who is androgynous and like ace and all these things. And she was like this mother with twins who was also like the mommy blogger influencer and and like pretty famous and all these things. And we were just such polar opposites. And it ended up being this like incredible like building trust and friendship as we were in this spindle together. And then, like, like I ended up, like, taking, like, I'm not going to spoil the end of the campaign because you should watch it if you haven't or, re- or listen to it. But, like, at the end, like, I ended, that my character ended up taking on a bunch of responsibility and, like, being family with her. And it was just, like, this thing. And it was so interesting, too, because Abri and I didn't really know each other at the time. It was, like, our first long yeah, campaign that together. that was wild. And so, like. For all of us. Yeah, like, like, how much we just, like, just, like, went in sync and, like, like kind of tested it out and then we're like, nope, we trust each other. Let's go for this. Yeah. It was like a really, really fun experience. Well, I don't think any of us realized all four players, like we went to town with like four fucking Babe Ruths and <laughs> it, we didn't realize what a stacked table it was. I think having all that like synergy together, perfect table of players, I couldn't have gotten luckier running a game like that. It was well, and amazing. That was- I think that was Abria's first ever like streamed tabletop campaign, and I think her first time not playing D anD. d Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Abria, I think that a really interesting one that just popped in my head while you were telling that story, because I was thinking about myself, obviously during that. Of course. Um, is uh, the at the old studio the one shot of Starscape that we ran that you were there <laughs> and you were there and Abria was there and and you and I had the really fun thing that came up where because I was playing the sentient ship's computer. Oh yeah. And you were playing the suave ship's captain who somewhere along the line you decided that your captain was in love with my computer. Yeah. But then and you confessed your love to my computer. But then there was the whole thing where my memory got erased. And so you had given this huge confession. And yeah. then I, because I, I had done the, the EP, the, uh, the EMP and done it. And Abria had decided, speaking of relationships, that her character was a secret antagonist the entire time. And yeah. that was really fun because yeah. then it became this thing where like her character was actively trying to destroy my character because she saw her as a threat to the fleet. 
So it became this just like layers on top of it, on top mm-hmm. of it, on top of it. And then the other one I would name as far as non-romantic. I can't believe that was a one shot. It there was, was so, one shot. There was so, so many epic. layers yeah. to that. Oh yeah, my gosh. It really was big. Uh, it was, uh, there's something about being at a table, especially with Kimmy, where I feel like we just bring things out. Like I remember when we did the play, th- just the play test of, of Dekuma, the, uh, the R&D for your, your teacher. That's where we, we met, did. yeah. Yeah, that's where we met. And I remember, like, we made, I think we did two hours of it. We played two different ga- rounds of Dekuma. And I, to this day, I'm like, why didn't we continue on playing both of those games? They sounded amazing. But the other oh, relationship I want to yeah. say that's, like, non-romantic is I will never, ever forget the experience of playing Rat Queens. And there was yeah. just oh, something about the magic of that entire chaos, hobo, murder, hobo game of just wild that shit craziness and like sisterhood and bonding that I have that table. It, it still to me stands out as like one of the most special games I've ever played in, in my life. And like to this day, I'm like, I have a really deep fondness for all the women at the table because mm-hmm. we, like, I felt like we went through this amazing story together. And I remember just when we had a character, I won't spoil who in case people go back and watch the archives of that game. Which but we they had, should. It was so good. Yeah. But we had a, we had a character who the player, the character died in the story and the character died because the player was going to be gone for a few weeks and we were getting close to the end of the story and so we just had the character die and we were sobbing at the table like it was and like i knew it was going to happen ahead of time yeah because i i was given the heads up nobody else knew i knew because i had a magic item that could have stopped it and my GM was like, hey, I need you to not use this during the scene because mm-hmm. she's just not going to be here. So we can't have this. Yeah. And so it was it was a pre-planned character death between the char- the player and the, the GM. Mm-hmm. But like I had to be given a heads up so that I wouldn't completely mess it up with the one magic item that I had. Yeah. And I still, when it happened, I remember I remember having to get up and move to the other side of the table to hug another player because we were both crying so hard. And it was and that what did it was when the player who played the character died got up from the table and left the table and was like, bye. I was like, no, like it was mm. so, so much. So that, that that's so extremely hard. special for me. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. There were a couple in particular I was thinking about the can't remember the name of the system. Kids, not kids on bikes, the kids on brooms. No, the, kids in space. the vase and people. Oh, uh, Free League Publishing. Yeah, they're... Yeah. Free League Games. Re- yeah. Weird kids, you know, oh, str- um, Stranger Things. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tales from the Loop. Tales from the Loop. Oh, right. So I mentioned that earlier. Where I got to play a robot boy who, who didn't know that he was a robot boy. Thought he was a real boy. Um, That's your favorite. Yeah. So I was really, like, in my feels about this character anyway, and I was just kind of, like, riding along enjoying that Dave was letting me do this, and it became this really organic thing where like a couple things people pointed out were like really special to me in that character. But the way that it came about that he was romantically interested in Samantha's character. And then we, I talked to her offline about that. I was like, Hey, I didn't realize this was going to be a thing. Are you okay with chasing it? And I think her answer was something like she's oblivious, but I am okay with that. Like whatever happens. And then, there was this culminating moment of like my character finally like going, I am romantically interested in you. L- like literally like just making a like clear concrete declaration. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're like, Oh, me too. Like that was a really special moment to me that I like, had not gone into looking for. And I am always trying to make them kiss Yeah, in oh. every game that I run, everything I play in, I'm like, make them kiss. I am the resident romanticist here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the 
follow-up to that that was not my character, I think a real masterpiece if people want to go watch cast-offs. First of all, we were very dedicated to that rule system and loved everything about it. But the friendship slash pseudo almost romance between Pooja's character and Joe's character. Lucky and Wall. Yeah, Lucky and Wall, who repeatedly had to have their memories wiped by the organization they had joined. They had agreed to have their memories wiped regularly, but had been building this friendship through flashbacks and stuff. We had seen this really complicated working relationship and closeness between them. And then like chunks of memory were coming back and they're like, wait a minute, we've been working together for like 800 years. What? (laughs) Like it was just the way that those two, those two players stitched that backstory together without like forcing it or doing anything awkward with it. Just it made it so much more compelling and they never kissed and I'm dying over here. Like (laughs) just, but I don't know if that would be the ultimate outcome because it was just so effortlessly put together and a whole bunch of that came out of, again, like somebody had to miss a session. So I was like, oh, okay, you're just going to temporarily visit the land of the dead. And then we'll figure out why. Yeah. And then we came back and like that turned into the whole story. Yeah. And yeah. It, I hadn't planned that. It was just. That's what happened with us with, with yeah. Breakers. We had not planned. It just We had two outages one week and we, we ended up just, just being Kimmy and I playing. And because we had that extra space, we were able to find this dynamic between the two characters. And yeah. I remember when I guested in that one shot of cast-offs. Oh, yeah. Like, I then had that weird thing at the end where it implied that my character and Pooja's character had something going on, but only my character remembered it. Yep. And that was, like, a thing that we, like, cliffhangered at the end yeah. of, like, oh, Pooja's character has no idea that she and my character have had these aliens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Pooja was so good at bringing people along yeah. on that, like, weird ride that she was on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it didn't turn into that, like, my character did something weird. Stay out. Yeah. It was, so come on. <laughs> get in, we're going yeah. shopping. Get in, get in, loser, we're getting weird. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And also, like, if I can go ahead and, and name the most popular role playing show in the world, mm-hmm. there is a really beautiful brother and sister type dynamic that forms between two characters in the second campaign of Critical Role. Oh, I've heard about this. The, and I guess they, yeah, the it, it's Caleb and Bo. It's not romantic at all. And it's two characters that are just like, they, they started off somewhat antagonistic. And by the end of the show, they just had this extremely deep connection of like, mm. and they, they they became like surrogate siblings. And as someone for whom found family is like such an important, oh, yeah, aspect, amen. Yeah. it really hit me hard. It was really, really good. And there's like, that's also a show that it's a kissing book of a show. And so there's a lot of that in there, but it really spoke to me a lot because there's definitely kissing book type things happening with other characters, including Bo in that season. But that friendship really sticks out to me as something that felt mm. so special and interesting. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. That was a fun conversation. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I was, uh, thank you for asking about that, Rose. Yeah. 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 Trips down memory lane. So good. Yeah. I'd be interested to see like some other people. So if you have yours and you're on the Discord, like mm. we should start a thread or a conversation about that. Cause I'd be interested if you're, even if they're not stories like we've seen or been part of, like like share the ones from your games. It's yeah. really amazing. And I had a home game one where we had this really long, was the home game that we played over BTTs and stuff during the pandemic, especially early mm-hmm. on. And we had a player who had 
left our game because he was moving away. He was moving to like this, like from here to like Georgia or Alabama or something. And and so he was leaving our game before the pandemic and we had killed his character off. Like the GM had like written this whole thing about it and it became like a mystery of who killed Scout. Oh, yeah. So then we couldn't like just retcon his life. Because, <laughs> but then what happened was we started playing online and this player wanted to come back and play with us again. And we loved the player, Hunter, yeah. so we wanted to play with them. So he made a new character. Uh, and similarly, my character and his character were very antagonistic to begin with. But then what ended up happening is when we got our own ship, we were playing the Salt Marsh book. Oh, yeah. And cool. I ended up becoming the the very reluctant captain of our <laughs> ship. And by the end of, like, our game ended up ending for terrible drama out of character reasons. Uh, that's a bummer. But when that character, he, be, I was the captain, he became the first mate. And it became a thing where his character became extremely loyal to my character uh. to where at the end, when we kind of, we did a little bit of like a amongst the players, we kind of sunsetted all of our characters. Like, well, here's where I think I see this character going. Uh. Here's what happened. And one of the things for me was like Ashara eventually like went off and became this like pirate queen. And he was like still his like her like loyal, mm. like that's second awesome. in command. And awesome. it was really cool. And it was like fun to have that. Love that. Yeah. That's amazing. <sighs> all right. Well, Thank you for joining us for Season 31, Episode 18 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. Please support our amazing designer of the month, Ashy Feet Games. You can go to ashyfeet.com. Thank you to our chat mods. James Lee is not here this week. He's on vacation, but thank you, everyone, keeping an eye on there. And thank you to our amazing patrons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their incredible ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. Just FYI, like, we are a not-for-profit channel. We're not, like, a registered nonprofit maybe we should do that but like all the money that the patreons give us goes to keeping us not like keeping our lights on paying for the internet improving our stuff like nobody profits off that we all donate our time we all play with each other because we enjoy it play games with each other I have to clarify i mean some people are there i'm not gonna tell them but see i was in a show with two people who <laughs> got married during the course of the show we were in together yeah that's a thing all right well that happens <laughs> yeah i mean they were already getting married before the show started it wasn't yeah, like yeah, the show's yeah. why i mean not the first game but they met at a game at the that's table fair. that's fair there was drama in that game mm-hmm. but they also hooked up mm-hmm. it was fine but anyway so all the money goes to like making the product and making the experience better for you and for us so yeah that's what patreon does for us so thank you my name is Kimmy. My name is Riley. I'm Jason. And today we're going to leave you with a song called Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. It's by the Mary Sues, which are a great trio of nerds who make amazing music. And we'll finally have a rehearsal again after months tomorrow. And you can find their music at marysuesband.com. All right. Thank you very much. And we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Toss a coin to your witcher, O valley of plenty, O valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your witcher, O valley of plenty. When a humble bard graced a ride along with Geralt of Rivia, along came this song. When the white were fought, Silver-tongued devil, his army of elves at his feet they did revel. They came after me, masterful deceit, broke down my loot and kicked in my teeth. When the devil's horns minced our tender meat, and so cried the witcher, he can't be blamed.
Is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.